Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Salvation belongs to the Lord.
morning we're going to do a, a special Lenten liturgy. So I'm going to invite you all to sit down because it's a little bit long.
Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Grant us your peace. O Christ, hear us. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, Already perfect, but I press on to make my own 
do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise to reading the book.
whichever money who's here then? Yeah, we won't count both types as many now. So that was a little bit bigger than you guys. I used to love for that. Easy, I was running away from people. And they were bigger than me. They were kind of bullies. They were really tiny and stuff. But then I got to a point where I actually left them that. I ran when I was in junior high school. I ran track and some things. And the longest race I ever ran, this is a long, long time ago. This is before I even met Jane, my wife. I ran a 10K. You guys know how long a 10K is? You want me to tell you how long it is? 6.2 plus miles. I only did it once. That was enough for me. I did not win. I did not get a prize either. But I finished the race. But in our New Testament lesson, um, Mr. Phil read for us this morning, Paul talks about running a race. And you know what race he's, he's, he's really talking about? He's talking about a race of, of faith, of believing in Jesus. Because what happens if you finish the race and believe in Jesus? What's the prize? We get a big medal, we get to turn around on it. Yeah. I'm a big trophy.
through the power of the Holy Spirit gives us our faith that we can believe so we can actually run the race, we can win the race, get the prize that we can have. And nobody can take that away from us. That's pretty cool. Alright, let's pray. We can mention that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. The power of your Holy Spirit. Will you give to us as we run the race? Get the prize of heaven, which you won for us already. Keep the bullies away from us, and although the devil used his thoughts, in your precious name.
Again, our text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 20th chapter, verses 9 and 20. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. From the Gospel reading, we heard a parable that Jesus tells us and gives us an incredibly important warning. But also, there are many great blessings in this text. I want to recap the parable first. So we see this parable, the man owns, owns and plants a vineyard and then he leases it out. The common practice back then, common practice today. And uh, right off the bat, we were told that the arrangement is for the particular this, this situation, that, that they'll grow the vineyard and then when he comes back from wherever he's at, he'll collect um, the fruit when, when it's ready. And so the time that comes and the, the owner sends out one of his, his employees to go and, and collect. And we find that the tenants kind of rebel and they beat the um, worker and send him home. And now we could, at this point, think, well, why did the owner just go and kick him out? Sounds like a logical thing to me, but he has a little bit of patience. He sends a second one. And this time, this one is, is treated shamefully. Uh, in other words, adding insults, insults to the very violence. And again, we think, well, okay, now it's the second time the owner probably should send his troops in to scare his people. But again, he shows patience. And he sends a third servant. And this one is wounded, and this one is cast out. And in each case, the owner of the vineyard is giving these tenants another chance. And instead of paying the owner what is due, the violence in which they treat the servants showing contempt for the owner increases each time. So the owner says, well, I'll just send my beloved son. Uh, they will most certainly respect him. And so he does. But they take it one step further. Not only do they shamefully throw the, the son out, they also kill him. And the reason? This is what our text says. If we kill the son, we get to keep the vineyard for ourselves. I always found that that one little verse is, is incredibly strange for me. Because as I look at all similar situations today, if they kill the son, they're not getting property. At least in, in all my experience. And that's when you call in the troops, and they go in and they arrest him and they throw him all in jail for murder, plus all the other things. But this is their thought, the tenant's thought. If we kill the son, we get to keep the vineyard for ourselves. And they actually believed it. And it is at this point in the parable that Jesus then asks a rhetorical question. This is verse 15. It says, What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. In other words, the owners finally had enough, and the tenants were graciously given, were given, graciously given time to do what they were to do. Their time has run out. The killing of his son took him to his land. And he goes, and he throws them out. And now comes, I think, what is the, the, the key to really truly understanding what this parable is all about. Jesus 
is not telling the parable to teach us about a landlord-tenant relationship. He is talking about the chief priests. He's talking about the elders. He's talking about the scribes. He's talking about the religious leaders of the Jews. And in the parable, God is, of course, the owner of the vineyard. The vineyard itself is the people of Israel. That is, God's people. And the wicked tenants represents the Jewish leaders that Jesus is talking about. Over the centuries, then, they have rejected the prophets and God. Read the Old Testament and see how many prophets are killed by God's people. How many they reject. And so now it comes to the point they're going to reject the Messiah. And, and as you look back to the Old Testament, some of the prophets that came, they came to tell the religious leaders what was happening. And yet, they who believed that the Messiah was coming, they also simply said, not on my watch. And they rejected the prophets. And then Jesus makes a little bit of switch. He quotes from Psalm 118, verses 17 and 18. It says this, What then is this that is written, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? Everyone who falls on that, that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. What Jesus is saying is this, The kingdom of God does not belong to the so-called religious in their ways. It belongs to the Father. And the people will find their true life and salvation through Him. Indeed, many will reject Him, including those who claim to speak for God Himself. Yet in the end, God's people, His vineyard, will have Jesus Christ as its cornerstone. His life, His death, and resurrection are what the church will be built upon. Not only on opinions of man, man, not on one human being, but on the one who will soon be rejected and be killed. It doesn't make a lot of sense that those who refuse to listen to Jesus' words in the words of scriptures. And it won't make any sense to people who simply put their trust in their pedigree, whether it be Jewish pedigree or today Christian pedigree or even their elite status among the establishment of the day. In fact, the possibility of such judgment coming upon them as Jesus describes in the parables angers them. It angers them to the point that the time that we get to the end of this text today, the scribes and the chief priests are ready to get rid of Jesus right then and there. They say because they perceive that he had told a parable against them, they get angry. In the end, they truly believe that they can kill the son and yet keep the vineyard. What about us today? What about people in the world out there who also want to do the same thing? In that, they sincerely believe they can stay in the vineyard and kick Jesus out of it. They want to teach that Jesus is just a way, one way to heaven. Rejecting his own word when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. It's John 14, verse 6. Others teach that it really doesn't matter what you believe. That everyone is in the vineyard. That is, in heaven anyway. As long as they do enough good things. But in the end, rejecting the Son of God, what else are they rejecting? They're rejecting the life and salvation that Christ has lived, died, and risen your brain. But for you and me, I believe this parable brings wonderful good news. There's good news in it because God does not leave you or me without workers who will faithfully tend the vineyards. He sends us faithful pastors, He sends us faithful teachers, faithful Sunday school leaders, uh, church leaders, and the list just goes on. Look to your right. 
see another body. Look behind your seat, see more bodies. Turn around, look behind your seat. I know, Pastor, getting into the silly. This is really important. Now, for all of you online, look at us. You all look up at the camera because so they can see you. You're here, they're here, together. Because we hold each other's hands. We take scripture and put it in their hand. We pray for them and we pray for each other whenever we are given the opportunity to do so. <clears throat> Look around before you leave today. Look at the faces who are in our pews this morning. Look at one that looks tired. Look at one that looks like maybe there's been tears or hurting. Maybe they're screaming. And just can't let it out. Maybe that's the person you need to go talk today. Maybe you need a hug today. Maybe simply say, Jesus loves you. He won the race for you. You've got the prize. Sometimes, all we ever need here. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us sing the Revelation song. <clears throat>
remaining, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing.
The God of peace and the author of all comfort. Grant us, we implore you, your heavenly peace and comfort that we may serve you in true fear to the praise and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.
I'll try to keep you informed, but thank you. We're really going to have a beautiful Palm Sunday.
like, and uh, service would be at 7 o'clock, or tenor breaks service on Good Friday would be at 7 o'clock, and then that Sunday is Easter. And uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, pretty So if you can get this, this, this current messenger in there, it'll also be in next week's too. And if you can't find it, just call Jason or me and we will give you the list. Any other announcements, questions? Thank you for being here. Coffee's that way. And tea. And Bible study, which will not start before it ends. But it'll get there close as we continue to push our moments. Go and please serve the Lord. Love on somebody. It's all about sharing Jesus' blessing.